1: Guys. thumbs up thumbs down thumbs in the middle good, good 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 well my name is Denise Totten and I do the middle school ministry here at New Hope Church and I am super excited to be able to share with you today to be the greatest anybody here around in 1963 anybody 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 all right I'm going to take you back if you've not been there before um, the year was 1963, and Muhammad Ali, then known as Cassius Clay, was getting ready to um, be in the heavyweight championship of the world. And this was a little excerpt from a speech that he did. So let's take a listen. Ali!
0: Thousands of people lined the streets of Louisville, Kentucky today to pay respects to boxer Muhammad Ali. He's being laid to rest in his hometown. Elsewhere on the show, we'll hear remembrances from the memorial service. We also wanted to listen back to Ali himself, his humor and his voice. And that brought us back to a spoken word album he made in 1963, I Am the Greatest. At the time, he was 21 years old, He was still known as Cassius Clay, and he was on course to fight Sonny Liston for the World Heavyweight Championship. I am the greatest by Cassius Clay. This is the legend of Cassius Clay, the most beautiful fighter in the world today. He talks a great deal and brags and of a muscular punch that's incredibly speedy. The fistic world was dull and weary, with a champ like Liston, things had to be dreary. <laughs> then someone with color, someone with dash, brought fight fans a-running with cash. <laughs> this brash young boxer is something to see, and the heavyweight championship is his destiny. This kid fights great. He's got speed and endurance. But if you sign to fight him, increase your insurance. <laughs> This kid's got a left. This kid's got a right. If he hits you once, you are asleep for the night. <laughs> and as you lie on the floor while the ref counts 10, you pray that you won't have to fight me again. <laughs> for I am the man this poem is about. The next champ of the world, there isn't a doubt. If Kasha says a cow can lay an egg, don't ask how. breach that skillet. <laughs> The greatest. When I say two, there's never a third. Betting against me is completely absurd. When Casha says a mouse can outrun a horse, don't ask how. Put your money where your mouse is. <laughs> I am the greatest. Those were excerpts from Muhammad Ali's poem, I Am the Greatest, recorded in 1963.
1: So... He went on to win that fight. He became the heavyweight champion of the world. Some would say he was the greatest boxer that ever lived. To be the greatest. Isn't that something that we all kind of think about at some point in our lives, to be great at something? Well, the disciples were no different. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, verses 33 through 42, and Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. Now, I had a, an amazing Bible teacher who highly recommended this book. It's um, The Harmony of the Gospels. It's great if you ever are wanting to really dig in and study the Gospels. This is a great resource because it takes um, the different stories and kind of combines it into one So the story that I'm going to be reading from today is actually found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's not in John. But if you took all three of those accounts and put them into one, it would sound something like this. At that time, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, "'Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?' Sitting down, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called the twelve and said, "'If anyone wants to be first, "'he must be the very last and servant of all.' "'He then took a little child and had him stand among them. "'Taking him in his arms, he said to them, "'I tell you the truth. "'Unless you change and become like little children,' you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he is the least among you, is the greatest. And then poor John, bless his heart. I'm from the south, so we always say bless his heart first. Then John said... Uh, Hey, teacher, uh, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he wasn't one of us. And Jesus says, don't stop him. Jesus said, no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me, for whoever is not against us is for us. And I, I tell you the truth, anyone who gives a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ, will certainly not lose his reward. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. So Jesus confronts the disciples, and he asks, What were you guys arguing about on the road? They don't say anything. And then Jesus says, if anyone wants to be first, they need to be last. Then Jesus took a little child, and he sat him in the midst of them. And he says, whoever receives one of these little children in my name, receives me. And the disciples don't get it. They don't understand what Jesus is trying to say. Now, I I think it's easy for us as outsiders to kind of look at this and wonder why they don't understand But remember that the text never says that Jesus says to them that he knew what they were arguing about. Um, And let's face it, Jesus wasn't always the easiest guy to understand. (laughs) I think they walked around in a daze most of the time. Like, what was that? What was that parable? I don't know. What was that about? I think sometimes, too, it's hard with our Bibles um, because they kind of break these verses apart and they make us think that these things happen separately. They didn't. They were on the road walking, and the disciples get into this argument about who's the greatest. They get to the place that they're going to, and Jesus asks them about the argument. They refuse to answer, so Jesus gives them this illustration with this child. What do we know about children? Well, here's some pictures of some of the children in our congregation. Cue the awe. 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 What do we know about children? Well, innocence, joy, mischief. Jesus says, greatness welcomes the least and the forgotten. When I was growing up, children were seen and not heard. I never really felt important to any adult conversation. I was dismissed a lot growing up because I was the baby of four, and they didn't really have a lot of time for me. (laughs) Children were not really valued, and I would guess that in Jesus' time, that was even more true. So, who was the least of these in this group that day? It was this child. This child that Jesus embraced and gave the center of attention to. I've been doing middle school ministry here at New Hope for several years now. And one of the things that our middle school ministry team tries to do is we try to make every student feel valued. Um, In fact, one of the things that you may see if you decide to join us on a Tuesday night middle school ministry is you may see that we are talking to the students, we are looking them in the eye, and we are listening to them. And if an adult happens to come in, the adult might get the, hold on one second, I got to finish this conversation with this child. We want every student to feel valued. So greatness welcomes the least and the forgotten. I just want you to kind of think who is that in your life? Who is the least and the forgotten in your life? Who could you value today that normally may not feel valued? In Mark 9 36 through 42, They're still, like, sitting there, right? And that's when John says, teacher, we saw somebody. He's telling. It's like a little kid. I'm telling. I'm telling. He says, "Uh, teacher, we saw someone who doesn't follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbid him because he doesn't follow us. And we can look at that and think, oh, John. But how often do Christians dog other Christians? You hear it all the time. Big churches, dog little churches, little churches say, well, you know, those big churches, you just get lost in those. It's awful. Why do we do that? It's so ridiculous. Um, I'm guessing that the part that John was kind of hung up on was Jesus saying, anyone who receives these children in my name. That's what he was focused on. Instead of focusing on the true issue, he wasn't quite getting it. John was focused on pride. That's what he was focused on. Still trying to figure out who's the greatest. Why aren't we able to have more power? And it looks like to me in these verses, Jesus was trying to kind of say to John, John, buddy, listen, if you don't get over this power thing, like our relationship's not going to grow. You've got to get past this. Greatness values service over status. Greatness values service over status. So John was hung up on names and the power that comes with name dropping. Does anybody here ever name dropped? You don't have to raise your hand, but anybody here ever name dropped? <clears throat> Can I be honest? a little, a little vulnerable? I have. I got a speeding ticket once. Yeah, I tried to get out of it by, like, saying that I knew somebody on the police force. And it didn't work. I still got the speeding ticket. Yeah. So, yeah, we all have probably been guilty of that before. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm just the only one. Um, But, yeah, name dropping. We think we can get what we want if we drop a name. Yeah, in identity, we have a mission experience that we do. It's called Wired to Serve. I'm wearing the shirt today. So it's a whole weekend where we serve, and we get dirty and cranky and tired, and we have a verse that we claim for the weekend, and it is Matthew twenty twenty-eight. Jesus came to serve and not be served. That is our verse for the weekend. And in the midst of the tired, cranky, serving people and giving ourselves, uh, there are times when we have to say to each other, Look at the back of the shirt. Jesus came to serve and not be served. So instead of name dropping, can we try to serve without an agenda this week? Try serving without an agenda, without a thank you, without any gratitude coming back to you. Just serve. Greatness, values, service over status. If we go to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, you can see that Jesus, okay, they still weren't getting it. So Jesus picks the argument back up again. He gives them another opportunity. I love that Jesus does that. So in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, um, you know, Jesus had just had this little child in the midst of them. And the people saw, oh, he gave the center of attention to this child. So they start bringing in more kids. And people were bringing little children to Jesus, to him, to place his hands on him. And the disciples, they got on to him. They were like, no, 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 he's too busy for that. And when Jesus saw this, he was, he was upset, And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Wow! Have you ever really thought of that verse? And then he takes the little children in his arms and he blesses them. I'm currently doing a Francis Chan devotion right now. And that devotion focuses on the holiness of God. In that devotion, he shares about how we should be in a a constant state of awe and wonder. Greatness is in awe of God to be holy is to be set apart Pastor Bob back in March as he was praying he had this little phrase that just touched me and it was simple and he just said the beauty of his holiness in his prayer that day in March just touched me because it's true There is amazing beauty in his holiness. Our God is not ordinary. He's not ugly. He is set apart. He's glorious. When I think of my favorite picture of a child, it's this one. One of the reasons I love being with middle school students is that they have not lost their awe and wonder yet. I've said it before, and I'll say it again I will never apologize for being a kid at heart. I don't ever want to lose my awe and wonder for the Lord. He's amazing. Our God, you guys, our God. He knows how to make something as delicate as a dragonfly wing. Have you ever seen a dragonfly wing? Has anybody ever seen a dragonfly wing? It is so delicate that you can actually see right through it. Our God does that. And then he makes something as powerful as a lion and as strong as a mountain. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. And it's sad, but we lose our awe and our wonder as we age. We trade it in for pride and status. And that's what I believe Jesus was talking about when he said we should be like little children. Children are the least of these And they are still so excited by holiness. When you're touched by God's grace, it changes everything. It changes everything. Stop for a second and think about yourself. When was the last time that you were in awe of God? I'm talking gobsmacked, mouth hanging open. I can't believe this is my Lord. Why has it been so long? I know for me, for myself, I notice that it's usually a long time for me when I'm focused on me. That's when I fail to see the awe of God. As adults, we kind of, we get caught up in like money and status and worries. You know, worries can overwhelm us. And if our stupid football team is winning, I mean, I'm sorry. That's so ridiculous. This life, it's not about any of that. It's just not. Friends, God hasn't changed. He's still holy. Why have you lost seeing it? Are you so focused on yourself? your circumstances, your way, that you don't have the attention to focus on him? Are we like the disciples, so focused on ministry that we forget the maker of all things? And I'm, I'm not just kicking your butt today, okay? I'm kicking my own too we have the opportunity to bow before him when we sing when we come here to worship Um, to actually change our physical positions to one of surrender and awe but how often do we do that why don't we because it's not our church culture I don't think it says anywhere in the Bible uh, if you don't Feel like it then don't. If it's not your thing that's okay. I've never seen that anywhere. Now don't get me wrong I know that there are people who can't physically bow down. I get that. And that some of you are like Denise if I got down you'd have to pull me up. It's okay I get it. I get that. Maybe what we need is people so blown away by the God of the universe and his beautiful holiness that there is no other response but, but to bow before him. Have you ever done it? Have you ever knelt before God in submission and awe? If not, why? Let me tell you this, if you haven't, there will be a day that you will. Because in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, it says this, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory God the Father. If you can't physically bow, I would ask that you find some time today or this week to humble yourself enough to take some time to spiritually bow before him. Today, I... I want to be in awe of God. Today, I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. I want to run into his arms like the child in the story did. Because greatness welcomes the least and the forgotten. Greatness values service over status. And greatness is in awe of God.